And let's be clear, we exist only as a Great Commission people. We exist in order that sinners will hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe and be saved from all the nations. The marching orders of the Church of Jesus Christ were to go into all the world and preach the gospel because the gospel has the power unto salvation. This is what it means to follow Christ. A call to live, a call to die, a call to spend your life for Jesus here and around the world until he returns. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken, and I'm excited for our conversation today. We're going to be talking today with some friends of mine who are serving on the other side of the world in Southeast Asia. And so really excited to hear from Billy and Anne. Particularly, we're going to be talking with them about the entry component of the missionary task. It's it's one thing to think about moving across the world, but you have to enter into a context. You have to figure out how to exist, have an identity, get access to people. And so it's going to be a, a good and exciting conversation hearing from them. I've known them now for many years and are grateful for their work and their ministry. So Billy and Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Paul. We're glad to be here. Why don't you guys start by just sharing a little bit about who you are, what you do, and maybe how you got to Southeast Asia? Sure. We've been here for over five years now from the southern part of the U.S., and essentially we both were working in jobs in the U.S., uh, both had particular skills and experiences that we felt very clearly that the Lord had had given us, we had not earned or, or didn't necessarily deserve. And so we we felt very clearly that he'd given us those for his purposes. And we were looking for somewhere we could be and live and work and use those, those skills that had less access to the gospel than where we were currently living. And so unfortunately, that's a large portion of the earth. And we used some parameters to try and narrow down to areas where we felt like we could get jobs and could communicate in English, hopefully. And yeah, be able to kind of plug into a global marketplace in a in a big city. So that's kind of how we settled on where we where we live now. And then from there it was how do we find those jobs? And so that took quite some time. I, I at this point I'm a, a run a service related business, about a hundred staff, and we have a couple other smaller businesses that that also have staff doing various things from marketing to fitness industry. And essentially, we look for areas where we can have meaningful relationship with people, ongoing relationship with people, businesses that foster multiple touches with people. And so that's what, what I'm centered in. And I'll let Anne talk about where, where she landed and how, how she got there. So I am a nurse practitioner from um, U.S., but here that is a role that doesn't exist. And so kind of had to be a little bit creative with where the Lord would have me once we were here. But after seeking out quite a few jobs and with, with not a lot of success, I now work at an international school here, uh, local where we are as a nurse. I work at a school. Awesome. Thanks for sharing some of that background. And I, I do need you to, to share real quick. You said it was kind of a bumpy road trying to figure out where you're going to be. So I know some of this backstory, but but our listeners don't know. When you say that it was a bit of a challenge finding that, can you talk about what that search looked like maybe on the U.S. side, and then what that looked like once you hit the ground there in Asia. Yeah, so looking for a job, you know, I didn't, it was kind of mysterious. I didn't know what that would look like. So, of course, there's things online, and so it's easy to hop online. So I did that in the U.S. just to kind of figure out what options were available and applied for a lot of things 
a whole lot of things. I did not ever hear back from anything that I applied for online. And we came on a, a small trip before we moved. And some of that entailed just like walking in places and saying, hi, I'm looking for a job. This is what I am. And getting a variety of answers and not some people that were like, yeah, I think that this is definitely an option. And then after a little bit more conversation or figuring out you know, what I'm actually trained in. They're like, oh, you know, I don't know, or visa or this. So definitely more complex than even if I even got past the door. And so even after we moved, it was a lot of just showing up on doorsteps and which I would not say that I'm just particularly gifted in just like selling myself and being like, here, you want, you want to hire me. And especially in a place where they don't know what my training even is because nurse practitioners don't exist. So God was really gracious. And I had randomly connected with this randomly, obviously the Lord willing had connected with this one school and they currently had somebody employed within about or four, they what they wanted me just in a as needed position, but that wasn't available with Visa and so forth. So that was another one that I actually got turned down from. But then their nurse randomly had to go, and so I, they they called me and I went in and started, and uh, yeah, have been there since. That's some helpful background, Billy. I, I do want you to share as well. I know that you all did not come through an official sending organization. You kind of came out on your own with your own resources. So can you talk some about even that initial plan of like, Hey, we're, we're kind of setting aside our own resources and we've got kind of this much that we can kind of can live off of for a certain bit of time. And then we're going to kind of figure some things out. Can you talk some about what that looked like for you guys? Yeah. And I mean, I think that the main point of that story is the Lord was just immensely gracious to us. So when I say we had some proceeds from a business that we had sold and we were going to put that aside to basically live off of until we found jobs, even the Lord's putting us in that position, but but even more so than that, just we felt very clearly affirmed or, or encouraged in that. So we had proceeds for a year and we said, all right, well, we feel like the Lord is not telling us not to do this and that he's opening the doors in a lot of ways. And so we're going to step out in faith and we do this, we'll move. And Anne got a job at eight months and I got my visa finally, work visa at 12 months. And so there was a month or so in there where we were thinking, all right, we got to we gotta start making some plans one way or the other here. But again, the, the Lord's timing was perfect in that. And both of us in pretty much every way are still in those same jobs, you know, five years later. And so, and see a lot of intentionality and opportunity in those things. So again, just the Lord's goodness and, and leading and yeah, keeping us encouraged along the way. Yeah, praise the Lord for his provision. And yeah, now that you guys have been there for close to six years, I want to kind of go back to the original question, uh, or at least the original topic uh, that we're trying to talk about today being this idea of entry. So obviously we think about the missionary task. We think about the book of Acts. We think about the apostle Paul. We think about what he was doing as he was kind of going and moving around in these different cities across the Roman empire. And he had a, he had a strategy, you know, he, he would do certain things when he would enter into certain cities, he would go to synagogues and these kinds of things. He was able to use the Greek language. So there's all kinds of benefits in some ways that Paul had being more of a kind of a near culture worker than maybe a, a purely cross-cultural worker like you guys are. So I want to ask you, as you think about entry, entering into a culture, entering into a country, into a context, why do you think that is important? 
I think just to be honest with you, I, I think we are very much still in entry phase at, at times because we're always, even last last week, speaking to a large crowd, I, I called the upcoming holiday the wrong name. And so, you know, shame on my family and my household because of that. But so we're, we're still learning and still putting our foot in our mouth. But I think that understanding, getting to them, understanding political, economic, religious environment, understanding what the history of people coming in from the outside has been, even it has been something that's written really impactful, I think, for us, just because people that have come in from the outside kind of fit in certain boxes. And whether they're expats coming into work that may be, you know, not aware of the gospel situation or, or the, the unreached situation at all in the city and, and kind of staying in their, their bubble. And then you've got people that come in and they are full-time workers working. And so there's kind of these two boxes. And then there's, we're not the first ones, but there's a smaller group to where people are working full-time in the marketplace and intentionally trying to share the gospel, trying to be a light for the kingdom and just reflect Christ. And so even just understanding what the perception of people is when we were coming in is something that took us a while to learn, but it's so helpful to us when we are building relationships, when we're thinking about when's the right opportunity to share in more depth or, or to go into more depth in conversation. Those things are add a lot of color and add a lot of and ultimately, it's all wisdom from the Lord, but that's some of the ways that he gives wisdom in, in trying to engage with, with those who are unreached in our context. So that there's the, the big part of that. There's the coming in and understanding culture and all that. And then there's also the aspect of just being normal within that culture, like just act normal, which is hard to do sometimes. So we moved into a new neighborhood about, about two years ago. And it was made very clear to us we were the first white people to live in this neighborhood in history. Not that it's that old of a neighborhood, but we're, we're, we stand out. Everybody knows we're here. And within the first month of being here, we left our front gate open. I woke up in the middle of the night. We live somewhere where we were able to have like CCTV and things. I woke up in the middle of the night and there had been a cat the night before on our CCTV. So I rolled over, pulled the phone up, like see if I can catch this cat again. And the video that was on my phone was this guy with an assault rifle walking out of our kitchen in the middle of the night. Well, ultimately, that is not acting normal. So thankfully, everything was fine. Just because we left the gate open, they assumed we were dead and it escalated quite quickly. But I had neighbors come by for the next three days, basically just shaming me for like, can't believe you'd be disresponsible. You're putting all of us in danger. And, and so like acting normal is a big thing. Now, thankfully, that's that's the only one I would be willing to share, but that, that's pretty much the, one of the few times we've done something that big, but those type of things, obviously the Lord can use them, but they can also be hindrances to the gospel if we don't understand what's expected of us just in the everyday life. So I think the practical side of that is, is very important as well. That's a unique story that I don't think everybody kind of has happened to them very often. So yeah, thank you for sharing that, even kind of the, the good and the bad and the ugly of some of what you guys are learning as you're doing it increasingly it seems like we're in, in 2022 there's a lot of a lot of talk about unreached peoples and places around the world but increasingly it seems like it's a challenge to get legitimate access to some of these peoples and places so there's just certain countries where you can't go with any kind of missionary agenda and so you have to be you have to be creative you have to be careful you have to think through all these things so as you think through that, how do you go about gaining access to people? So it's one thing to get access into the country and you're like, okay, we're in the country, we exist in the country, but obviously you go with a goal and a message. Like you have a, there's, there's an intentionality as to why you and your family move to the other side of the world. So how do you actually go about 
gaining access to people and rubbing shoulders with people on a on a daily basis? I think that's where the marketplace is. So the gifts are unending in that we have every every day we have opportunity to not only rub shoulders with, with people we haven't met before, but also people that we're they know us, they know our character, they know our family, they know that we've cared for them. And maybe Anne can share a little bit about just what it's looked like even during the pandemic over the last two years, because it's provided a unique opportunity for us to to have access. I think that anytime you have more than just like a, a, you know, a small period of time with someone. So anytime you kind of live life with someone, which is what the marketplace offers in some ways, because you're seeing them every day or every so often. So you have ongoing contact with them. You're going to experience some type of like, you know, ebb and flow of life. So maybe there is some form of suffering that they might go through or that you go through. And that provides opportunity for the gospel and to share. But but I think what was so interesting about COVID um, and the pandemic was just this kind of like global suffering and the very much a shared identity and like this feeling of challenge and difficulty. And so the fact that we have gotten to kind of be here and have the the similar struggles, I think is is really helpful and just gives lots of opportunity to speak truth and to talk about the gospel and I think that's both with believers and with non-believers, which I think is unique to where we are is a unique place and that we have lots of access to both believers and non-believers. And so there's just a lot of opportunity for life on life living and as a result, opportunity to, to share. Reaching a specific people group with the gospel demands specialized training and a global vision. Southern Seminary supports these ministry goals through theological education that is trusted for truth. A degree in missiology from Southern Seminary provides students with the biblical foundation and theological training necessary to take the gospel into all the world. The program prepares graduates to serve as missionaries, church planters, and ministry leaders anywhere in the world. To learn more about Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and doctoral degrees available through the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary, go to sbts.edu bgs, or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click the link to the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. There, you'll learn how listeners to this podcast can save $40 when applying for classes. The web address, again, is sbts.edu bgs. One of the questions I have for you, which I think a lot of people are curious about, is how do you, how do you navigate the, the tension? You know, there's a natural tension, right? Okay, we moved over here to do this specific thing. We want to share good news. We want to see people turn away from their sins, trust in Christ. That's our intention. That's our desire. But we have to be careful about how overt we are in that. We also know that like we have to gain access. And so we kind of have to have a reason to exist and be there. There's a little bit of a tension sometimes, or there can be a tension between we're kind of here to do this, but we kind of have to be doing these things as well. So how, how do you navigate through that tension of, yeah, we're, we're here to share good news, but we also kind of have to work a job and kind of have to be here. How do you think through that? Yeah, that's a great question. Doing a job well adds extra platform for the gospel to go forth. Because if I'm an accountant and I'm working with three other unreached accountants and we're working in the same department and I'm good at my job, I'm diligent, I do things, I, work, I turn it out on time and, and I'm respectful and all those things. And we go to lunch and we get, get into a conversation about what we believe about God. It's harder for them to just dismiss me as, well, he just makes irrational and crazy decisions with his life because they see all of all of my life on display. And again, 
speaking personally, but this is not me, my example, but they see all of those things on display. And so they can't just push it away as oh, this is just some irrational person. They have to balance that with everything else in his life seems rational, seems well thought out, seems responsible. I think we're called to this. We're, we're called to exemplify Christ in all parts of our life. And so I think the marketplace provides such a natural platform. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And I appreciate you even explaining it the way that you did, you know, in many ways that it sounds very biblical, very New Testament. You know, I was talking with one of my classes the other day about how the gospel spread in the book of Acts. And what we see is persecution with Stephen being martyred, Acts 7, Acts 8, believers take start taking the gospel to Judea, Samaria. And it's it's not, you know, Paul or Peter. It's everyday Christians who are kind of doing it through their work, through the marketplace. As they're going, as they're living their lives, working their jobs, they're sharing good news and the gospel is spreading and advancing. And so I love seeing that that same picture take place through folks like you today. So thanks for the way you're navigating through that. I want to shift a little bit to kind of the, the spiritual component. So obviously you're there, you're working jobs, you have uh, natural access to people, what does it look like to kind of shift conversation to spiritual matters? Can you talk a little bit about what maybe evangelism and discipleship look like through your work on a daily basis? Where we live, spiritual conversation is very close to the surface. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a deep conversation, but it's not something that people are hesitant to get into as far as like, what do you believe? How do, what do you believe? Well, what does that mean? That's a very, can be a very natural conversation. So thankfully that is not hard to get to. I think what we found in time here and what I think people that have been here longer than us would also say is it's actually a challenge just to get deeper from, get to a heart level from there and not just like, oh, we're comparing, you know, ideas back and forth. And so I, I think this looks different for people in different, you know, in different roles here, but for us in the marketplace, primarily, there's certainly the, the one-off sharing where we meet somebody and we're able to get into deeper conversation, but it really goes through relationships. So like Ann was saying, there's kind of the ebbs and flows of life. And so there's opportunities for the gospel to insert into the fallout of sin in our world that everyone experiences. Just last week, there was one of our key staff who lost his father about a month ago, and he's been really struggling with it. He came into my office and we were just talking through that. And I'm trying to help him get into some counseling. Just I think grief counseling is probably appropriate for him right now. And he knows what I believe. He believes something different. And as he was talking about his fears about talking to the counselor, the tenets of his belief kind of came spilling out of like, I don't want to be shamed. I don't want them judging me. And, and so it was a very easy, deep conversation about the gospel because he's in a place to where he's he's seeing some of these rubs to where what he believes doesn't necessarily not doing it for him in some ways. Yeah, I think that it's. Um... It's definitely easy to get into just like surface level conversations about about what people believe. Again, it's normal to have those conversations here. And I think as as a foreigner, it's easy to kind of just ask questions and be observant and just be interested in, in someone else. And so that, that can provide some kind of like basic level conversation. But I do think that I have found the heart level conversation most often comes out of the relationships that I have at work. And again, they, one of my friends at work, like just says in a, a really difficult home situation. So consistently, I mean, if not daily, is there opportunity for me to, to speak into that and to talk about and ask questions, ask heartbroken questions about what she believes and how that manifests itself in her particular situation. And so, and again, I think that's again, where I think the pandemic 
helped because I think anybody that really thought they were doing well, maybe no longer kind of had that. And so there was just even maybe with people that were more challenging to interact with, everyone has this kind of shared grief as it relates to that. And so there was just opportunity to talk and just looking to the Lord and leading into the Spirit just to help. I don't find that it's significantly different than living in the U.S. in a marketplace where it is, you know, just knowing people and caring about them and by God's grace through knowing about their lives, getting to have opportunity to to speak truth. And yeah. Yeah, that's good. Can you guys share a little bit about what church looks like for you? So I know sometimes people will be a part of a kind of a house church. Sometimes people go to an international church. Sometimes people will go to a national church. Can you guys share some about what church looks like for you guys? Sure. And I mean, that's certainly been one of the blessings from the Lord in, in our season here. We go to an international church. It's about 50% local and 50% expatriates. And I think that in some of the harder seasons where, you know, just frustration from rejection of the gospel over and over again, or rejection of, or not getting as many opportunities to share the gospel as we would like, there is this local body that cares for us, that is holding us accountable, that is, you know, growing with us, and we're getting to grow alongside them. And that's been such a sweet gift from the Lord, because it seems like in the seasons where it's very dry on any fruit from sharing, with people who are not believers, the Lord is blessed with just a lot of fruit of growth and groups we've been able to be a part of in our church. And so it looks different for everyone. And that's certainly not a prescription for, for anyone, but for us, that, that's been something that we really enjoyed and been thankful to the Lord from, and I think has allowed us to get involved in the long-term work in the country. Hopefully that lasts a lot longer than us and a lot longer than our individual work, even in the marketplace just as our church desires to raise up more local pastors, as we've gotten to walk alongside young believers who are seeing our church model biblical eldership and biblical preaching and things like that, that are, that are growing into those roles. And so it's something that the church here natively needs. And yeah, we certainly not the answer to that, but we've been thankful to get to just be a part of that and get to see, to walk alongside that. Yeah, that's good. I want to ask some lightning round kind of questions to kind of get some quicker responses. So we'd love to hear, if, if possible, from both of you on these, if you have thoughts, but if not, we can keep moving. So first one is best advice you got, you know, before you're leaving, you're telling people kind of what you're doing and you're like, hey, we're trying to get there. We're trying to find jobs, trying to set up access to, to be able to interact with people to share. What was the best advice you got about kind of how to do that before you left? Before we left, we one of our pastors, I thought, was gave really helpful advice, especially when thinking about access, because I think sometimes you can think entry or access starts at a certain point, maybe not when you first arrive. Or And his advice was just to, from day one, go ahead and, and look for ways to engage and to, to share and to do the things that you want to do. Don't wait until all these things are set in place or where you have, you understand the culture, or all these things, like just go in and be a learner and begin that from day one. And I found that to be really helpful because I wasn't waiting because there's a lot of unknowns when you pick up a move. And so you could be waiting a while for things to feel somewhat like less chaotic and like you, you have any idea of what's happening. And so I found it to be really helpful just to even mess, you know, messy, just kind of jump in. But I think that's part of being in a different context is being being humble and being a learner and asking for help and 
they, I mean, also our, our context, people are really gracious and, and want to help. And so that's, that's an easy way. That's great. That's great. All right. So Billy, well, maybe we'll hear from you on this one first. So that was something that was helpful that you heard on the front end. Now, looking back, something that you wish you knew before you left. Mental exhaustion. In those first months, everything is new. I don't know how to articulate this in a way that I can't just show you with like pictures and things, but how do you get on a train? How do you get to where you're going? Which side of the road do you drive on? How do you get groceries? Like Those things are really easy in our city. So it just tells you how simple-minded I am. I was just exhausted for months. And I thought, am I dying? Do I have cancer? Like what, what is happening? And I think just in being here longer and seeing other people kind of go through that entry phase in a physical way or a mental way. Yes, I didn't realize how much of a mental toll it takes to be engaged every minute of the day. Whereas in the U.S., you can kind of autopilot drive home, autopilot walking around, autopilot going to the store or whatever. There is no autopilot in those first couple of months. And so you're just mentally exhausted for a while. I think for me, something I wish I had known before I left was, and I think this just shows how little maybe experience or how naive I was moving, but I think that just how layered culture is, it's not something that is just like, you're told some facts and then you begin to understand it, or you have a little bit of interaction or experience and then you understand it. I think that experience or questions bring about more questions and more, and it just kind of leads you to this this dependence on the Lord to help you navigate, you know, culture and people. But I think that it is far more complex than maybe I would have thought when we first moved. All right. This next question is a fill in the blank question. So you guys are are blazing a trail that not many people have walked on before. So in your opinion, the most important component to gaining access among an unreached people group is blank. How would you fill in that blank? I would say humility. I think I would say that, and maybe this is because I'm coming from an American context and and this is a, a knock on myself, but I think we often think we understand or we know. or And so I think, especially with gaining access, I think at least my personality, my perspective is often like there has to be a way, there has to be a way to do this or that. And I think for me, just needing to humility and looking to the Lord to provide that access and a humility, both as you approach people and circumstance, I think is important. Yeah, I would agree. A different flavor of that, maybe, or another way to say it for me would be, particularly in the context that we're in, when people come from the area of the world that we came from, enter here, there's a lot of expectations that the local culture has of you. One, you're not going to care really about the local culture. You're not going to care about what's important to them. You're not going to try to learn language or like the food or those type of things, which is really a blessing for us because the, the bar was like just at the floor. And so, you know, any effort at all, we were, we were exceeding that. But similar to what Ann talked about, just asking questions, trying to be a learner. I think that that level of that posture of humility, that posture of confounding expectations opens up a lot of doors and takes down defenses of people. And they're more willing to, to help you kind of take you under their wing, feel sorry for you in my case, and just like love on you, which is uh, certainly important in a lot of different ways. All right. This is the last question and look forward to hearing from you both on this. Hopefully I work at a seminary. We have uh, graduate students, but also there's a college as well. And so we have college students that are here I was talking with some just a couple of weeks ago who are, are majoring in business, they're majoring in communication or education, 
and they have a desire to use that somehow, some way overseas, cross-culturally with kind of a, a missional focus and emphasis. So, you know, with, with you all being those who have kind of blazed a new trail in one particular part of the world, what's one piece of advice that you would give to a, to a college student, to a young adult, to a young couple today about maybe they're thinking about taking a marketplace job in a global city around the world with a missionary focus. What's one piece of advice you would give to that, that college student or that young adult? For me, I, I would just say get started today. There's, I mean, I think the analogy is used a lot of, uh, you know, nothing special is going to happen on the airplane on the way there. But I mean, I would say going a lot farther than that, but be intentional about being in people's lives, be intentional about sharing through relationship today. Like don't, don't think I'm going to get prepared and, and similar to what Ann was saying of, I'm going to get things in order and then I'll start making, working on the important things. Even if 5%, 10% of your time, go ahead and get started right now because that's the component that's going to translate is this heart to connect with people, this heart to, to love people and care for people and through that to share, share the gospel. And so practicing that today is not only good for future you, but it's also good for the Lord and the, and the gospel going forward, even where you are. And so that would be my encouragement. Yeah, ditto. <laughs> there you go. All right, Ann, I like that final word, ditto. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Billy and Ann. Thank you both for your for your time today. And uh, I know you're, because you're on the other side of the world, this is late night for you. So thank you for taking the time to, to share with us and have the conversation. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.